All right, we're recording. I'm going to go. Three, two, one. UCLA coach Corey Close joins us today to talk about why her Bruins are one of the hottest teams in the country and preview what promises to be a compelling Pac-12 season. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. All right, and we are ready for a Tuesday during the holiday week. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you are enjoying your holiday break. Hope you are getting some downtime and that you have made it back safely from wherever you are. It's crazy out there. I'm Michelle Smith, longtime women's basketball writer and excited to be part of the team now at The Next. This is my first time as a podcast host, so send your thoughts and prayers my way. Um, I'm going to try hard not to mess it up, and it's hard to mess things up with such a great guest and my friend, UCLA coach Corey Close, whose team has busted into the top 10 in the national rankings and is ready to make some noise in the Pac-12. So first of all, thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Remember that Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Our title sponsor today is PrizePix. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. Okay, today we're going to talk about the Bruins' impressive run through the non-conference, their confidence heading into Pac-12 play, and finally the program's move to the Big Ten and what it means for the future of the program. And we're going to do that by having Corey Close as my first guest on Locked On. Corey's in her 12th season at UCLA. Her team is number 10 in the national rankings. They opened the conference against the Oregon conference play against the Oregon schools this weekend after playing USC before Christmas. And I want to say welcome, Corey, and thank you for being here and bearing with me. <laughs> hey, I'm excited. I you, I you know me, I would do anything for you. So it's a privilege to be with you and to talk about women's basketball and the Pac-12, and it's going to be a good time. You're going to do great. Excellent. All right, well, let's jump right in. So in any respect, are you surprised to be where you guys are as a team, considering that you didn't make the tournament last year, you obviously made a run to the WNIT semifinals, and you were unranked to start the season, but all of a sudden you find yourself as a top 10 team? Yeah, you know, I really try to not uh, put too much stock in what the rankings say, but I am really uh, proud of our growth. Um, You know, I I think the biggest thing for me was um, I just needed to see our young ones in different pressurized scenarios. And what I was pleasantly surprised about is the poise in which they showed. Uh, I remember, you know, thinking, okay, we we beat South Dakota State. We were really ready for that one because they had beat us twice last year and they were the NIT champions, very well coached team. And then we had Tennessee. And at that time they were ranked 11th in the country and they had their full squad for the first time. And I was like, I'm going to learn a lot about my group on this one. And I was so impressed with their poise, uh, with how, how different freshmen were stepping up in really key moments. And so... I think I, I'm a little bit surprised at that with their competitive poise and um, the way that they've handled pressure. Um, but I'm not surprised in terms of, uh, you know, our talent coming in. We had a lot of talent and I didn't care whether when or if we got ranked, but it was really important that we continue to get better. And, and so I'm pleased with that. Okay. 
Well, you know, last year, how did what happen last year? You guys had injuries, you know, there were COVID, there was a forfeit, there were just, there were COVID issues and some, and there were other teams that dealt with them as well, but yep. you guys had more than your share. You <laughs> called it one of the most challenging seasons of your coaching career. And how did that influence how you thought about this season and how you've coached your team coming into this season? Well, I think the last two years have really influenced me in terms of, you know, number one, just being thankful for that we get to go diff do different things. We don't have to be in a bubble. We get to have scout guys this year. Uh, we get to have a full training regimen from the summer all the way through. We get to do injury prevention. I mean, I just think the gratitude in which I'm going into this year for the total experience is just so high. I mean, literally, as I'm driving in, I'm just man, I mean, just think about where we were a year ago. And it just is really humbling. So I think for number one is just gratitude. I'm so thankful that we're whatever normal is, we're a bit, a little bit closer to it again. Um, and then I think that, you know, I really value all the different parts of the experience. And I, one of the things that was really hard two years ago, we had a really good team, but one of the things that wore over time is that you only had basketball. You came, you were in a little bubble, and then you had to go back to your bubble. And in order to continue to play the game, that's all you could do. And I just think that war on our team. And so one of the things I really tried to do is uh, bring joy and experience different new things and find out what makes sure they fill their cup. And we're going to practice really hard. We're going to prepare really hard. And then I want them to have a life and enjoy those different things. And I've actually think that that's made our practices more competitive. Uh, we're, we're healthy, all those different things that come into play. So I think there's a lot of ways that it's influenced me, um, you know, but more than anything, I think being able to do injury prevention and have a full training cycle, I just think that's a huge piece as well. Okay. You know, you've had teams with a lot of young talent before, and one that comes to mind for me as somebody who's covered this conference for a long time is the freshman year when you had Jordan, Jordan Canada and Monique Billings come in and you scheduled really tough that year and that team struggled out the gate. And so I want to just hear about your thought process about how you wanted to do things differently for this young group. And, you know, what's different this time about how you guys have started compared to where you might've been in that experience with high profile kids. Yeah. I think that they really big influence. We had the number one non-conference schedule in the country that year. And we started out zero and four and it was just too much too soon. And uh, I, I, consider myself an overbeliever um, at stealing Dabo Sweeney's, um, you know, phrase. And I was just so confident in that group. And I just didn't give them a fair chance to um, have any maturation and to be able to learn through mistakes and those kinds of things. And, and it really shook their confidence. Whereas I'm doing, I did the opposite this year. I mean, we had, I mean, the battle for Atlantis was the, the biggest, um, you know, high, most highly ranked, um, tournament in the country. There's a lot of upsets. Uh, you know, obviously Texas got upset, Louisville got upset, Tennessee got upset. You know, there's a lot of things that happened in that. But I was very strategic that I wanted the Battle of Atlantis and obviously playing at South Carolina. I wanted four of our games to be incredibly challenging to be top 50 level opponents, but I also needed a good mix. And so I don't think if I had had that ex hadn't had that experience with Jordan and Monique, I would have been as intentional about that as I was this year, and and that has proven to be really beneficial for our group, and also just it gives me a sense is I don't care if um, you know you're the number one ranked team or uh, recruiting class, 
you still have to grow. You still are um, facing failure for the first time. And I really, um, every one of our players chooses a word for the year that they want to add to their character. And Kiki Rice's word is growth. And I asked her, why did you choose that, Kiki? And she said, coach, this is the most failure I've ever experienced. And the most I've ever been critiqued, the most I've ever been. And I'm just trying to tell myself, focus on growth, focus on growing from every little piece. And, you know, and she's playing, you know, the most minutes of any of the freshmen, mm -hmm. she's doing all that. So if she feels that way, think about how the rest of the freshmen feel. And so I think that um, I really learned a lot about how to handle a group like that from that class that was headlined by Jordan Canada and Monique Billings. So you talked about, you You mentioned the South Carolina game, and I want to talk to you about what you feel good about in terms of the way your team is playing. But let's talk about that game for a minute. You guys went to Columbia and you played great and you had a lead and, you know, that's the number one team in the country. At, I just want to know what you took away from the South Carolina game. And then I want to just talk about the what you like about the way your team is playing right now. Yeah, you know, I think that um, I really liked, again, the poise that we played with. I did not think our group went in there being happy to play close. Like they went in there to compete, to win. And I think that shows a lot about the mentality of our young group. And not only do we have five freshmen, but we have four others that weren't playing on the roster last year. Really charisma is the only one who played a full year. And she was actually on one leg practically half of the year last year. So this is like a brand new team. And we're trying to learn how to mold together to be this picture that is better collectively than we could ever be individually. And that takes a lot of time. And I was really impressed with how our team went in there with the belief they had, the commitment they had to the scouting report, and, uh, and just the confidence in which we played with. I think if we had had, um, you know, if, if Lena Zontag doesn't get in foul trouble and we had Christine Iwala, I think that the results could have been different. Um, but I also liked how they responded after the game. They weren't they weren't satisfied with a moral victory. They weren't they weren't mm -hmm. like, oh well, we, you know, we played really hard. We led for 26 minutes of the game. You know, they were like, no, we didn't get the job done. And we got to learn from those possessions that we let go. And so I was really impressed with that um, piece. But I also it exposes the things. And here we are, the number one conference in my mind, most ranked teams tied with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that we have to be able to look in the mirror and go, man, you know, we still we still got out rebounded in some critical moments. Um, we still, uh, you know, had some times where we couldn't execute as well as we needed to in the half court. Um, you know, I think that's what I come away with is those small inches, those details that only against a team like South Carolina is going to get exposed. And I think we have to be willing to let those things teach our heart, especially now going into Pac-12 play. So those details, let's talk about X's and O's for a minute and talk about what you like about what your team's doing right now and where the areas are that you're going to need to get better at as you approach the meet of this Pac-12 schedule. Yeah, I like the way that we're offensive rebounding. I like the way that we're defending for the most part. I think we've done a much better job of defending the three-point line and defending what we call the war zone or layups in that range of the basket, uh, layups and post-ups. Um, but I don't like, um, about what we're doing is we still have got to defensive rebound better. We're one of the top percentage offensive rebounding teams, but we're really just a little above average on the defensive boards. And that's going to be really, really important for us, um, on the defensive end and then defending without fouling. Uh, we're just sending the free throw rate of our opponents is just way too high. So defensively defending without fouling and then defensive rebounding offensively, uh, shot selection, uh, you know, trying to get more teamwork shots together. 
And, you know, we struggled against, we played really good defense and rebounded really well against USC, um, but we didn't have great shot selection. And that's something that was true in the last part of the fourth quarter against South Carolina and same against USC. We just had a bigger lead to be able to hold on for the win. So that's something we have to address and address very, very quickly is, you know, you don't have to make every shot, but you got to get quality shots. And uh, that, and they, more of those have to be assisted for us. Uh, more of those have to be with knowledge of who it is and how we make each other better. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's a huge piece for us moving forward. Um, you know, but that's, that's the main thing is shot selection and teamwork, uh, you know, in those scenarios and then defending without fouling and defensive rebounding. Great. All right. Well, when we come back with Corey Close, we are going to dive deeper into the Pac-12 race, which begins in earnest this week. All right. And now we're going to talk a little bit about prize picks. So we got prize picks. So download that prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you watch, including NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football. It's bowl season, you know. Men's college basketball. Women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, and more. Entrance can be made in entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is just that easy. So go and download the prize picks app and go to prizepicks.com and get going with your daily fantasy picks. All right, we're gonna be back and we're going to say thank you once again for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And we are talking to UCLA coach Corey Close. And we are going to, oh, all right. So I'm going to smooth this out next time. But we're going to say thank you for Locked On Women's Basketball for your first listen. And make sure Lockdown Sports today, the biggest sports stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked on Sports Today is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're back with Corey, and we are going to dive into this Pac-12 season. Um, the Pac-12 has put up the best cumulative record in the non-conference of any conference in the country. Uh, there are five ranked Pac-12 teams right now, and so this conference is off to a pretty good start. And so let's talk about opening the schedule, Corey, this week on the road against the Oregon schools. Oregon obviously has a lot of young talent. Oregon State seems to be putting things back together, but I think is a very dangerous team, particularly at Gill. So how important is this trip, do you think, to open a road trip, con considering the quality of the competition and then the chance to be on the road in some pretty hostile environments? Well, I think that's actually one of the reasons that players want to come play in the Pac-12 is that there's so many great venues with great fan bases and, I mean, it was fun to play in front of a sold out crowd at South Carolina. So I'm like, bring it on, uh, whether you're at Matthew Knight Arena or where the Guild Coliseum and two great opponents. Uh, we've actually had the best record against Oregon and, the, uh, you know, at Oregon for the last few years. And, and they're a really good team. I mean, uh, you know, um, they're India Rogers and, you know, Pow Pow are just playing as well as any guards in the country. And obviously, Grace Van Sluten's been one of the great newcomers to the conference. So. Um, we're going to have our work cut out for us, but 
isn't that what you want? You know, you have to, you have to want to have that competition, bring out the best in you. And you want to have to find new gears inside new levels of concentration, new nuances. You have to tweak in your scouting report. So I think it's a great thing. I mean, we're definitely going to have our opportunities. We have six of the first nine on the road in the, in the pac 12. So our young group's going to have to grow really fast. Um, but, you know, I think if you don't look forward to that, then there's something wrong, you know. So I'm, I'm excited to see what we can do. You talked about poise. You guys are going to tap into that early. Yep, we're going to have to. All right. Let's talk about offense in this conference. So, you know, Oregon is a team that can put up points. You've got Utah that's putting up a ton of points, is ranked among the top three in the nation in scoring. Stanford, you know, will put up a big number on you. You know, how do you keep up? Or is that the goal? Or is the goal to try and defend those teams down way below their averages and try and win and try and win that way? Well, I think you have to know yourself, right? And I think for us, we've been most successful by, um, you know, getting more stops than they're used to, you know, um, by helping, you know, making them play a little bit uh, out of rhythm, uh, making them think about our pressure so they can't think about the efficiency and the rhythm of their offense. So I think that's how we play best. I don't think we're as aggressive um, as maybe we've been in past years in our full court press, but uh, we definitely, if, if they're able to play, excuse me, comfortable and fluid, that allows them to play to their best. And so that's going to be our challenge is to make them pass the ball, you know, six feet outside the three-point line, to make them have to think about their handle so they don't get as tight off the pick and roll, um, to make them take longer shots, contested shots, so we have a better chance to get defensive rebound, which then fuels our fast break. So, you know, I think that's sort of been our calling card against those teams. That's why we've had success you know, against Stanford when we've been able to do that or a success against, um, you know, Oregon, you know, but they're all great teams. And so, you know, I'm excited. I, I've watched Utah a few times on TV and the job that Lynn has done is spectacular. Um, and so, you know, it's going to take uh, us really going to another level with our defense. And we're just not there yet. We're not as um, we're not going to outscore them without getting defensive stops. You know, I think we've got to be a team that um, you know, that's just not how we're built and that's not where our experience is led us to. So um, we're not going to try to beat them at the same game. We got to beat them with our game. Okay. Well, you know, we've talked about a few of the teams and the teams you're going to face up coming up this weekend, but how do you see this conference race shaping up? What do the yeah. non-conference tell you about the strength of the conference? Seems to me like there's, you know, from bottom up, even the teams that you might regard as sort of the lower half of these conference standings, everybody's got really nice record. Everybody's got some good wins. How do you see this race going? Well, I, I think it's going to be really tight. And, um, you know, and I do give so much credit to the depth, you know, Washington State. And, you know, I think all these teams that are playing really, really well, Colorado's had some good wins, you know, all those teams, um, you know, I, I was just looking, um, you know, we're projected like eight or nine teams, depending on you look at your projections. Um, you know, I think that's incredible compliment to all the coaches and all the players in this conference. And, um, you know, as much as, um, you know, I, I'm, you know, we're obviously, we'll talk about this going to the big 10. I, I love this conference. I love the job that the coaches and the players have done, but in the end, it's about growing our game. And so I'm excited to see what the Pac-12 can do together. And we're going to be a great member institution. We're going to compete like crazy to be able to cut down nets. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I, I do think that, you know, it's going to have to be one on um, both sides of the ball. You know, I think that's why Stanford has been so good for so long, is their efficiency on both 
offense and defense. I do a huge breakdown every offseason on elite eight teams and above in every category you can think of. And where are our gaps in comparison to those teams? Because I think if you're in the top 10 or top eight every year, you're going to have chances to go to final fours and to cut down nets. And the thing that stands out about Stanford is that rebounding, defense, um, you know, offensive execution, out of timeouts, I mean, you name it, they're at the top. There is a consistency there on both sides of the ball. And so I think we've been really good at the top on defense sometimes and rebounding, but maybe not as good on offense. Or Oregon's been really good and efficient on offense and maybe hasn't been as strong on defense. So I think whichever team can consistently play at the highest level on both sides of the ball and play to their strengths, that's what it's going to be take what it's going to take to cut down those nets. Carl, you opened up a door for me. I'm going to walk through for a second. You know, a few years ago, it was a bit ago, Tara talked to me about looking at doing that same exercise with a Yukon, for example, and saying, what is it that they do that we don't do yet or that we need to do? And she talked a lot about playing with pace and the pace at which they play. I'm curious about how you see the pace of the teams in the Pac-12. And, you know, Stanford, obviously, I think they play at a really, really high pace. And when you have to get your younger players ready for that, when it's hard to duplicate until they play against it. But can you talk about some of the pace of these teams in the Pac-12? Well, I think you just look statistically, they're living it out. I mean, they're beating teams in other conferences. Their uh, points per possession, their possessions they're creating per game. Um, you know, I think those, I'd say it's in a credit to Stanford for setting that standard. For a long time, I, I said, you know, you, we can complain all we want about UConn, but they've set a new standard and people are rise, having to rise up to it. Well, you, you just told that story about Stanford. Well, everybody else in our conference is rising up to the pace that they're playing with now. And I, I, I feel very confident. Our pace of play has been in the top five in the country four out of the last five years. So I think that we're in a good situation that way, um, you know, but it's not you can, you know, Coach Wooden used to say, be quick, but don't hurry. It's it's about being efficient and effective in that pace. And that's that's the next step, right, um, to be able to beat a Stanford and, and to win a steal a championship from them. You got to be do that with purpose, with efficiency. And I think our conference is very capable of doing that, but we now have to go prove it. OK, I got one last question for you on the Pac-12. What does it take for a team to win this conference? You know, I think it's uh, you got to be able to shoot it well. Um, you got to be able to be efficient. Um, you got to control possessions in the game, uh, and you got to have a really good rim protector. That about sums it up, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the to-do list. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Now it's about you knowing how to do it, but now you got to go execute that. And we have the tools, um, but I think you know you got to go perform. You got to go get the job done. All right, we're going to move on to our next segment. And next up, we're going to talk to Corey about UCLA's move to the Big Ten in 2024 and what it means for her program. But first, it's ad time again. So we're going to roll right into an ad for. Uh, we got Bet Online. So let me find that Bet Online overlay. Here we go. Somebody's going to need to do a little editing here. All right, Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info. Stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup, which just ended. But we've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so... We are going to come back and we are going to talk 
with UCLA head coach Corey Close about the future now, which means we're going to talk about the program's move to the Big Ten starting in 2024. So, Corey, what kind of planning has already taken place regarding the move? Well, I think a lot. I give a lot of credit to our administration. They uh, started three committees right away of what that transition could look like. Um, You know, there was a competitive greatness, you know, um, ones, which what is it going to take to be competitive in the Big 12 by the time we enter in 2024? And that was the one I was on. And there was two other committees. Um, So there's been a lot of really proactive planning about really analyzing what that conference looks like and how uh, how, you know, UCLA as a whole is going to be effective, but also from a women's basketball perspective, you know, obviously you're watching those Big Ten games with a little bit different lens. Uh, we sat down actually with uh, Jalen Penn, who's RGA, who played at Indiana for three years and go, OK, what would you say is the difference? You've now played in both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think there's a, a lot of proactivity that's going into that. And, um, you know, and honestly, I've taken a lot of what I've learned from the Pac-12 and said, OK, well, what does it look like to help um, the Big Ten grow in a similar way? Now, right now, five teams are ranked in the Pac-12 and the five teams are ranked mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. They're the two leading conferences right now. Um, But like I mentioned earlier, you know, you have to just like I committed to do when I joined the Pac-12 as a head coach here. You know, it's not about me or about UCLA. It's about um, growing the Pac-12 and growing the game. And that's what exactly what I'm going to do at the Big Ten. And but one of the cool things about it is we're really trying to make several of our Pac-12 opponents home and home non-conference opponents every year. So I am hopeful that we're going to have four Pac-12 opponents on our non-conference schedule every single year, which I think is just good for the game. It's good for the rivalries. It's good for growing West Coast basketball, which is still very important to me. And so, um, but I, but we've been very proactive in our planning and uh, we're excited for the next step. Corey, what I talked to the, before the season to you and Lindsay Gottlieb from USC about the advocacy that you're all doing for your athletes in terms of travel and scheduling and that. Can you just talk a little bit about that and what those conversations look like? Yeah, I think there's been a couple of things. We both want to leverage the opportunities of having a national landscape and the branding and NIL opportunities for our young women. Um, obviously, we're in the uh, number one media market in the country um, in terms of being in Los Angeles. But when you go to all those other footprints, you also have different opportunities. And we want to leverage that for the sake of our student athletes. And we've actually brainstormed together, Lindsay and I, of, OK, how do we do this really, really well? Um, it helps for recruiting. It actually helps our student athletes. I think it helps in women growing in entrepreneurship. So really committed on that front. Um, also, the advocacy in terms of Um, You know, we're really lucky. We're both at institutions who have been chartering all of our games for several years. Mm -hmm. And so I think, honestly, it doesn't affect women's basketball as much as maybe some of the other sports. Um, But, you know, they've done studies already at UCLA that we will share with UCLA of, you know, how many nights in advance, depending on what time zone you're going to, do you need to get there? And what's the optimal time to do that? And, you know, I think there's just... um, you know, I think there's just going to be some different things. It was interesting when we went to South Carolina, um, we chartered a 737 and we took some donors and we took some uh, alumni with us. Um, but we went in the night before we played the next game. We came right on back. And honestly, it was we never had to worry about time zones. And I thought to myself, hmm, OK, let's learn from this and hear what's going on. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but I actually think they're going to be really creative in the scheduling. And so I, I actually don't think we're going to be making any more uh, cross-country trips than we're making right now. Um, they're just going to happen at a different time of year. Got it. 
Now, what's been responsive recruits at this point? Because you recruit a lot of West Coast kids who, you know, yeah. are are used to playing close to home, used to having family, be able to come see them play what, up and down the coast a lot. What's been that response so far? Well, I think on a national scale, it's been really helpful. I think what you said is very true is on a West Coast scale, um, that's the one. You know, I remember uh, uh, Gabriela Jaquez's uh, father calling me when it happened and being like, wait, I'm, I'm used to going to every game. You know, I'm used to being able to do that. But I think the percentage of people that of parents that are able to go to every game are not very high. You know, I think about how many road games have, um, you know, Charisma Osborne's parents been to or, you know, Kiara Jefferson when she was here. I mean, these are amazing families. Um, but I just think the logistics of that are, are really hard no matter what. So I think it's more important, honestly, to make sure that we have really, really good linear TV coverage um, so that on road games, they're really able to do that. Uh, I don't think it'll change. It's not going to change the amount of home games we have. So I think for a small number of families, maybe, but I would say there's been more of a plus in terms of being able to continue to recruit on a national scale. Let, think about Kiki Rice. Now, all of a sudden, she's going to play Maryland, and that's where she's from. Um, so I think it's just a broader sense of us being able to uh, be in more footprints um, and being able to be in more spaces. I actually think it's been more, not all the way of, more of a help than a hindrance, but for the most part it has. So last question, Corey, you've always been such a big advocate for the Pac-12. And I know you've touched on this already that that's not going to stop for the next two years while you're a member of this conference. But is it still a little surreal to imagine in a couple of years not being part of the Pac-12? Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, I'm a West Coast kid. I grew up in the Bay Area. I went to uh, Tara Vandiver's first camp when she came here as a, as a high school student, believe it or not. Um, you know, I played basketball at UC Santa Barbara. So um, there's a there's not only an affinity for it, but there's a commitment to building West Coast basketball. And that that isn't going to end. I, I think I have a responsibility on a lot of fronts um, to to be able to continue to vet, uh, to invest and the reality is USC and us are still on the West Coast and we are maybe more teams are coming to us and maybe we're traveling a little differently, but we still have an opportunity and a responsibility to grow our game here, to have more and more girls have opportunities and to be inspired and to show to be great role models. And so that is not going to change. I think we're adding some different layers to it, um, but it is it is surreal. I mean, I. I at first I'm more more than anything that college athletics as I knew it growing up and in my career is no longer and so it is a completely different business it's a completely different landscape and there is part of me that's saddened by that um, but at the same time I'm supposed to be a innovative um, you know flexible leader and so right now our our uh, program needs me to lead at a very high level in a brand new landscape so that is my job whether it's NIL, whether it's how we travel, whether it's being competitive in a different uh, conference, um, that's my job. And that's what I want to do. And I want to provide an uncommon transformational experience for every woman in my program and be a good raw model in the process, no matter what foot, footprint we're playing in. I have no doubt you will do that, my friend. All right. I want to thank Corey Close from UCLA for joining me today. Hope I did the next team proud. And we're going to check out the next for your national women's basketball coverage. We have it blanketed from one end of the country to the other. Thank you for making this episode of Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski will bring you the stories from around sports in 20 minutes. Get analysis and opinions before anybody else with our local national experts and insiders. 
The Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you next time, women's basketball fans. Thank you.